This is another episode of On the Grid by Z Prime. Love your energy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Z Prime On the Grid. I am Dylan Lockwood. Joining me is my co host, Joyce Dooley. Joyce, how are you doing? Hey, hey. Doing really well over here. How about you? Uh, doing good. And join, uh, joining us on the episode is uh, founder and CEO of Motive Power and also our partner for the NPUC National Public Utility Council. And welcome back to the show, Angel Lance. Angel, how are, are you doing? Thank you. I'm doing great. But I thought you were going to say the illustrious, the the notable, the, you know, adjective. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't, uh, I, didn't have a, I didn't have a good adjective on hand. Let's, uh, let, let's go with profound. Oh my goodness. Okay. Profound. Thank you so much. <laughs> Angel, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. Thank you, Dylan. I'm doing well. Um, actually getting a little bit of precipitation in my part of California. Much, much, much needed precipitation. So uh, it's a beautiful day, all foggy and maybe a little rainy. How about yourself? Yeah, the same. Uh, we just had a big... Uh, we just had a big rainstorm come in and finally get the smoke out of the air uh, for a bit. Uh, they, they're still saying that, you know, be, be careful because it could start back up again at, at any moment, but um, it hasn't yet. So we've been enjoying the um, the onset of fall weather. So, Angel, we, you know, we started the the NPC earlier this year uh, to shine a, shine a light onto decarbonization practices going uh, throughout the industry and to build build dialogue, share data, all that sort of stuff. How has that enterprise been proceeding? The enterprise. You're appealing to my Star Trekiness. Yeah. The NPC, I think, is has been a wild success. Um, I say I think because uh, I don't have anything to compare it to. I don't think there are any other organizations out uh, there like the NPC really driven toward um, and igniting, maybe that's a bad word, but in, initiating a decarbonization conversation across the utilities of the United States. But I, I do think it's been going well, and here's why. We have been able to interface uh, on in numerous levels with over 100 utilities across the United States, big and small, and those utilities span services across all 50 states within the United States. So I feel like we're getting great representation of different geographies, different size utilities, and utilities with different focuses or foci. We've done that. I'm going to be rattling off some numbers because I I think that helps depict what's going on with the NPUC. Within that set of utilities, we have um, conducted four uh, discussion roundtables where utilities, a couple of different utilities will sit around and we will talk about what's working in in decarbonization efforts and what's not. Uh, We'll talk about federal regulations, state and local regulations. We'll talk about relationships with regulators. In some cases, also discuss strategies for decarbonization, um, technology and techniques, or even in some cases, community response. So I feel like those have been really successful because we've gotten a wide variety of people participating and perspectives. We've also sent out three benchmarking studies throughout the year, of of which about 100 uh, different utilities have responded at varying points. And we've been able to really get a fairly like well-distributed perspective internal to these utilities 
and and how they the different people who work within utilities what they feel about decarbonization how much they know about it how much they're dedicated to it and what within their utilities they're aware of is going on around those type of projects uh, in addition to that, we have issued now seven, I'll call them thought pieces, um, that have been distributed through web channels and social media channels and you know all that stuff. And we have been able to capture the attention of over 100,000 people uh, with folks spanning the government sectors, the investor sectors, and then just common people like you and me. All of that combining is really kind of giving us in our first, I guess, nine months now, since we're in September, giving us a very informed perspective on the way that utilities um, are approaching decarbonization on the whole and informing us on where our gaps are and, and, and in many cases, how we can address them. So all in all, I feel like the MPC is doing what it's set out to do. And I feel like it's doing it rapidly and it's reaching more people than I even thought possible. So in that case, I consider it a success. How about you? I think it's been going um, really well too. You know, from our perspective on um, the data gathering side, it's it's been really interesting to see, you know, the differences in practice versus rhetoric when it comes to uh, what utilities are what utilities are actually doing in terms of decarbonization. You know, there's a lot that you know that they say they want to do, but that you know, in terms of actual prioritization and, uh, you know, communication strategy hasn't actually been d- delivered uh, at, at the rate that we, we'd like to see to actually, you know, make a difference with the rapidly deteriorating climate. To that end, uh, one thing I wanted to ask you in regards to lessons learned from this work we've been doing is uh, what, what's something that the average person doesn't understand about decarbonization? I would say, um, kind of piggybacking off of the last question, has the NPUC been a success? And and you know what have we been doing? I would say a big thing that's come out of that success is is a theme, which is really around uh, learning. Uh, I have learned that um, people of all sorts, uh, inside utilities, outside utilities, in my own company, uh, my own friends, uh, like kind of everyone, um, has a variety of understanding around what decarbonization is, uh, and how it and, and how it applies to either an everyday life of a regular person or um, an industry or the world at large. So th- I have learned through through the MPC that there is just a discrepancy across across people, a, a discrepancy in understanding around things like climate change, global warming, um, and as specific to the utility sector, you know what their part is to play in in um, global warming and um, and our climates, weather patterns, et cetera, and really what that word decarbonization means um, in general. So I would say that what's something that the average person, average person doesn't understand? Um, oh man, I could like rattle off 75 things, but I think the main thing is that the speed at which we need to address this problem is just not clear. Um, Folks don't, I, I found across the board, don't understand how rapid climate change is, how rapidly it's accelerating. And thus they don't understand how much immediate action is necessary across the board, uh, but in specific to utilities as well. Like they, they just don't understand the urgency. So, you know, in addition to just what an average person doesn't really understand, would you say that with the climate change 
happening so quickly that are utilities taking decarbonization more seriously this year compared to previous years? Uh, I mean, with all of the obvious disasters in the news or what more needs to be done? Are they taking it more seriously? Yes, I would, I, would, um, I would be so bold as to say every human being is taking it more seriously because climate change is here and it's, it's, it is a reality. Some people are terming it climate reality. And extreme weather patterns really bring it home to each and every one of us. I can say that utilities are often caught in a kind of a vicious cycle. You know, it, in, For the longest time, we've been maintaining and supporting United States-wide infrastructure to deliver safe, reliable energy to communities with ever-increasing energy demands. And our utilities have been amazing in, in really providing us some of the best power utility service in the world. Maybe the best, I'm not sure. And that takes a lot of maintenance. It takes a lot of study. It takes a lot of, it takes a lot of support. And so when, when you ask, are they taking decarbonization more seriously? Very much so they are, as all these extreme weather events um, continue to not only happen, but then happen regularly and then happen with more extreme uh, out, outcomes than ever before. It puts the utilities in some cases on the back foot, right? They're having to deal with disasters rather than um, attend to their decarbonization projects that are more forward looking. Um, that makes sense, right? Like, when your sink overflows in your bathroom, like that's what you got to do right now is manage the sink overflowing. You don't you don't really have time to go and rearrange the living room and maybe clean it. Right. It just it it these events drive priority. It would be wonderful if we can get to the point where utilities are able to be more proactive, to look at and anticipate escalating weather patterns and escalating frequency in disasters and or superstorms or you know whatever you want to call them. So long answer, are they taking it seriously? 100%. Um, more so than in the past? Absolutely. Uh, and that is not just due to um, their, their own in-flight projects that they've been working on, but it's due to extreme weather and that extreme weather's effect on their communities. What more needs to be done? Like everything. I mean, like, I don't know how to answer that question any better than then, then everything needs to be done more. Um, but if I, if I had only one choice and someone said you only get to pick one thing, the number one thing that needs to be done um, within the utility industry and outside of it is education on what climate change is and how it directly impacts each and every one of us. So if I could pick one thing, that would be the one thing that I think we, we should push the uh, super power button on or whatever Mario brother has when he, when he gets to go really fast and invincibly. Uh, it's a star. It's the star man. Yeah. So if I got one pick, it would be the star man power for education on what climate change is, how greenhouse gases affect the warming of our planet, where greenhouse gases come from, and how we can and must eliminate those greenhouse gases, particularly carbon dioxide and methane, out of our atmosphere, put them back in the ground where they belong, and to be able to really impact uh, our quality of life on Earth. So speaking of our life on Earth, uh, you know, you, you're you're based in in California, and you know, one of the things that we um, are focusing on in our next benchmarking survey is you know how disasters are are how disasters are affecting timelines. How has the California fire season in 2021 been versus 2020 in terms of utility response? Because I know it's been bad just in general. In general, I mean, you, you can see the news at, at any point and see that 
plainly, but just in terms of like how the utility response has been in California organizationally, technologically, operationally, how, how has it been this year versus last year? Hmm. Well, I mean, everybody's seen the news. Fires are worse than ever. Um, at one point, I was looking up just fires across the U.S. because I, I happened to be in Oklahoma or somewhere not in California. And I was talking with people who were in New York and in um, Minnesota and all these places I was not. And they had really smoky days because of the fires in Oregon. Um, and then I started looking more into other things like um, the fact that the uh, Siberian tundra um, had was, I guess it burns every year. I'm learning more about that. But uh, that fire that was up in the Siberian tundra was larger than all of the other fires on earth combined. And at that point in time, I was tracking a hundred fires across the United States, wildfires of size. So how has California's season gone? Um, you know, I, I, there's a funny thing about it because we've had massive fires. You probably saw the thing about Lake Tahoe. And when fires come near our structures, we get very freaked out about it. <laughs> um, when fires are in Siberia, we don't get so freaked out about it. And um, I live in an area where in the last, say, four or five years, there has been a fire every year um, within range of my home. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I, I kind of feel like I've got PTSD about it or something. It's really a big deal. Uh, but in this case, the fires were in Tahoe. And there's this weird human thing that happens, which is when they're not near you and you can't see the effect of them, then they're not that big a deal. So that's a weird thing because, because I think all humans kind of do that. You know, like if, if the issue is not near you, then, it, then it's almost a human response to, to think of it as not as important. I certainly found myself in that situation. Uh, not necessarily not as important, but not as applicable to me. So that said, how are the utilities handling this? Um, as I said a little bit before, I mean, I feel like utilities are on the back foot. They are in um, response mode and they do respond. They are experts at responding to crises. Um, they really are. They have been doing it for, I don't know, decades. And they, they, are, they are literally first responders in weather-related events and particularly in fire events. Um, so I think we really need to acknowledge them in, 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 in somewhat of their heroism and bravery in that regard. However, they are on the back foot. They are, in, they are reacting to uh, massive disruptive events through the weather. Um, I can say I'm in Northern California and um, our utility here is doing a series of shutoffs in high fire areas, high fire danger areas, where they will shut off power to a community at specific cycles to try to minimize additional fires. Uh, that said, we in my area had a very major fire, the Dixie fire this year, and it was it's potentially utility related. So utilities are responding. The season has gone in, in a way kind of well, considering how much of a severe drought California is in, and in a way horribly considering how um, bad the fire season is uh, worldwide, but certainly um, Western United States wide. And the utilities um, are doing what they can to try to prevent additional fires, but they are in reactive mode. And they, they haven't had time to catch up, to go into proactive mode, to try to keep them these fires from starting in the first place. 
the position or the transition from reactive to proactive or preventative it can be really difficult and complicated, especially, you know, when you mentioned that the bathroom sink is flooding and that's just kind of what you have to address. Um, hopefully, though, we're seeing some additional or we'll see some additional progress, you know, next year. Um, right. Just iterative, hopefully, improvements um, to shift gears a little bit. From what you've seen and heard through the NPUC data and roundtables, is you know, there anything new going on in decarbonization? You know, I'm learning about new stuff all the time. And, and every time I hear about something, I feel like a total idiot because because whatever I learn about, like that person or those people have known about it for a long time and I didn't. Um, and so I, I think that that's sort of indicative of everyone in the utility industry and uh, outside of it. And that there's always more to be, that is going on that you are probably not aware of. Um, so through the MPC data and our roundtables, yes, we've learned about different techniques. We've learned about different strategies. We've learned about different investment ideas. We've learned about different um, rate case structures. We've learned about different approaches to community communication uh, man, we've learned a whole lot about really the complexities within a utility and how they need to address their their overarching stakeholders, which could include their own employees, their leadership, their investors, their community, um, et cetera. I have learned about things like um, like biochar. Like, have you ever heard of that? I had never heard of that. I haven't heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> Biochar is a fire remediation technique where um, there are these systems that help take things that have burned and restore them into good soil. Um, I don't know a lot about them, but I'm really excited about learning more, uh, given that wildfire is a state of play now and we need to find ways to live with it until we find ways to abolish it. But overall, I would say the utilities set by coming together um, and talking about what's working in different geographies in different um, styles of utility, being investor-owned or municipality, and in different regulated areas under different regulations, I would say that we, as a group, we have learned a tremendous amount from each other about uh, new things in decarbonization. Where are the decarbonization success stories? Uh, because, you know, we, 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 need some, we need some indication that things are going to improve at some point. <laughs> I don't know if that sounded hopeful or not. <laughs> it start it started off more hopeful than it ended up. <laughs> um where are some success stories? There are quite a few. Um I think you've heard me say before, Dylan, that the utilities are like have been working at this for a while. You know, this is not a new thing, right? I mean, they they have been working at it with different forms of emphasis, but they, it's been on the radar and they have been approaching it. And there are some real notable organizations out there that are do, that are, have surprised me with their abilities. A success, a, a success story that comes to mind is SMUD, Sacramento Municipal Utility District. One of the, I mean, they, they are on it, like so much different, so many different versions of how they are approaching decarbonization as, as a collective group of people is, has been really surprising to me. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited to um, sort of tout them as a success story because of how far they've been able to come so far. They at present are 50% of their energy generation is carbon free, meaning that they're generating energy 
to send out to their customer base without burning fossil fuels, 50%. And they have some really strong goals, some of the strongest actually amongst the utility set on when they um, intend to be carbon free or net zero carbon neutral, those types of terms by essentially generating energy without burning fossil fuels across the board. That's a big deal. Um, Now they're able to be that way, be at 50% because they've been working on this for seven to 10 years. That's a long time. And it's, and it's paying off as, as we accelerate with climate change and accelerate with technology and application of technology, SMUD is uniquely situated to really be able to capitalize on that and to drive their decarbonization efforts faster and more effectively in short, in, in, in the short term. So proud of SMUD. I think they're really killing it. Uh, National Grid is another one that I think is got a really unique perspective. They span multiple geographies. They're in the U.S. and they're in the U.K. And their perspective has been really helpful through the the NPUC and our discussions in really trying to talk about how utilities banding together across grid lines, across state lines, across country lines in some cases, like like over in Europe, allow... um, that information flow to be more rapid and allow the progression of that utility to decarbonize faster. Uh, Such to the degree that National Grid is sponsoring COP26 this year, and they're going to be talking to the energy industry at large around their efforts and the success of their efforts at that conference. Um, Really impressed with how they are taking a more global view and, and trying to attack it. Uh, lastly, I would say Excel Energy is killing it too. Um, they have numerous programs that are decarbonization related, as you may have read in the news, and they're heavily focused not just um, on their impact and their effect through their projects, but they're also heavily focused on speaking within their company and really changing the culture of their utility to have a mind and an eye toward decarbonization impact. Um, I, I really can't say enough around the successes of what Excel is doing. And and I believe they span eight states or so in the middle of the country. And um, the the success there of how they've been able to reduce their emissions, how they've been able to shift their supply chain, how they've been able to get the the culture of the employees within their company to um, understand more about the utilities efforts as a whole to bring uh, down greenhouse gas emissions and ultimately uh, address global warming. So success story-wise, there are some. And why I love them is because they they prove out SMUD, National Grid, and Excel. SMUD's pretty small in in comparison to those other two. National Grid is international. And Excel Energy is kind of big, but it also spans the entire middle of our country. Um, And I think they're great examples of, of how this can be done, is being done. And there's models that other utilities that are maybe having less success can follow. Awesome. Thank you so much. I mean, it definitely gives us a little bit of hope that there's some good progress being made. Has the scope of challenges utilities face in decarbonization changed in the last year or so? And if so, how can they address it? Uh, well, there are more of them. <laughs> so I think that's how one way they've changed. Um you know, I, I mean, we've all we've all been uh, connected to some element of news in the last 12 months. And I think there have been more, um, I, I don't know, massive storms of varying sorts uh, than ever before. 
So on the storm front, uh, that is one way that decarbonization challenges are changing. Uh, just in brief example, everyone figured out what happened in Texas with the ice the ice problem they had down there. I forgot what they called it. They had all kinds of Superman words for it. Do you guys remember the name of that big storm? Called it Isagedian or something like oh, that. Oh, oh, you're talking you're talking about the Snowmageddon, the the, the snowpocalypse or the ice apocalypse or whatever. The ice apocalypse and the snowmageddon. That's right. Snowmageddon. Yeah, that was it. So, from a weather perspective, a weather event perspective, a crisis, a weather crisis perspective, yes, decarbonization um, challenges are are presenting themselves far more. <laughs> loudly than they ever have before. Um, but also on a, on a federal regulation level, uh, some folks may be aware that uh, our president, our current president made an executive order, I believe in January, around how he anticipated or expected that the energy industry as a whole, which is not entirely utility focused, but predominantly, was to cut their um, emission goals, where many of them have goal sets to be carbon free or carbon neutral, net zero, et cetera, by say 2050, he cut them to 2035, um, which is 15 years. And he did it sort of with a stroke of a pen. Um, so uh, I, I would hazard a guess and in, in talking to utilities in general, but in my, from my own perspective, uh, utilities have no idea how they're going to um, cut their current plans and projects and goals uh, by you know, a decade and a half when this decree was sent out in the beginning of this year. So eight or nine months ago. Um, so how have, the, how have the challenges changed? Um, there's more of them. And there are, um, there are, there is an administration that is looking to regulate um, now and in the future far more heavily on the utility industry than uh, has come before. How is the NPUC work that we're doing shift the internal industry discussion around decarbonization? Well, um, for starters, it's it's largely about communication, right? We want to talk to folks and make sure everybody's on the same page about stuff. And so when the when the federal uh, executive order, I think is what they call it, when the executive order came out, um, first thing we did is start talking about it because this may be surprising, but not everybody had heard about it because not everybody in the utility industry feels like it may apply to them. Um, maybe they're small, maybe they're in an out of the way place. Maybe they feel like um, that, that, or that decree only really um, applies to investor owned utilities, et cetera. So I believe that the work at the NPUC in driving communication, driving education and understanding um, is going to help shift that internal discussion amongst utilities, right? Because it's not, it, one of the one of the things I think is really great about the NPC is that it, it, it really pulls utilities out of themselves and helping them look around to their other utility brothers and sisters, uh, and also helping them look outside to just regular people like me and you. So I, the work is shifting with what we do from not only uh, just getting people to talk to each other, but to really also drive uh, information and make information um, readily available on current event topics that then utilities can utilize. Uh, I am proud to say that many folks of varying sorts are utilizing 
NPUC information. Utilities themselves are starting to use much of our data research and graphic representation of that data and research uh, in their internal materials for um, coursework within their companies on decarbonization and climate change education. Um, we have been approached by universities, professors, and textbook writers to utilize our data and research information um, within their materials. And we have had the Department of Energy uh, interested in our materials and the distribution of those materials for their own purposes. So the NPUC is gonna keep on keeping on some of the things that it's doing, but it's going to start um, having a larger voice in, in combining a lot of this data and research. It's gonna have a larger voice um, in collecting information internal to the utility set and external in, in general research. And it's gonna deploy that information in an annual report. I'm excited and around next year, around Q2, the end of it probably, um, the NPUC will issue uh, its first annual report around the state of decarbonization within the utility industry. Angel, you were at our virtual ETS conference this week talking about proactive decarbonization. What is necessary for things to be moving forward proactively in decarbonization? Uh, well, you know, we, we have to keep talking to each other. Um, I think there's a lot of positive things going on. Like, I, I think I would like to learn more about projects that are already underway uh, because I have learned that there are several or many projects underway that are having, um, that are making great strides in the area of decarbonization internal to utilities. So I want to, um, I think that's something that's really going for the utility set and I want to capitalize on that. Let's learn more about it and let's model it for those that are, those utilities that are struggling. I also really think that that utilities um, are really making a difference in their energy mix of generation. They, you can you see more um, regenerative energy options. You see utilities not only marketing but but voicing their interest in really driving a different energy mix. And you didn't really hear that quite so much in years past. So I really think that's positive momentum. I also think another really important thing that's positive in this regard is that you know communities and customers and investors and well just everybody kind of is you know is is more um this is a bad word but more charged more charged up more excited more fired up i don't know there's no good way to say these things um more invested more interested more committed to climate change and utilities impact their utilities impact and and really that, that equation, how those two things fit together. So we have more momentum and emphasis on that from, from people. And I, I think those, those three things I just mentioned around uh, in-flight projects that are working, really shifting an energy mix and how that's working, and then momentum around public and or internal people interest on, on a positive level of making this happen is, is really good. I want to, I want to talk about that more and I want to learn about it more. Additionally, though, I want to, I want to talk about some of the stuff that I think is working less good. Um, for example, you know, in many of our discussions with utilities, they all often have a strong plan to, to address climate change, to address decarbonization. Many of them will say that they have as much as 80% of it pretty much locked. Like they really know how they're going to proceed. Um, but the, almost, in fact, all of them say that there's a gap 
you know, they've got a strong plan for 80% of their emissions and how they're going to address it, but there's a 20% gap and they have no idea how to close it. Some utilities have larger gaps uh, and others smaller. So really want to see if, you know, we can start conversations around how to close those gaps with strategy, technology, innovation, invention, I don't know, anything. Additionally, not all the utilities are aligned on the same goal. A major utility may have a goal to, to get to uh, net zero by 2035. And another one may have of same size or larger may have a goal of 2065. And if we have, you know, utilities with different goals all over the country, and the point of it is greenhouse gas emissions, then how will we actually address this problem, right? We can't, we can't be marching to a different drum. We all have to get on the same page around our goals, what's possible, and when we can collectively say that we're going to be net zero. Uh, and then I would say the last thing I'm really kind of freaked out about is that the state or the rate, the rate of, of climate change is accelerating, and in some cases exponentially. And that does not align with utility planning cycles, no matter how noble their goals are and how, you know, as I talked about SMUD, how, how much of a great job they're doing to reach net zero or to, uh, to really attend to their decarbonization goals that rate is much, much, much slower than the, the rate of climate change itself. So we can have all the great goals in the world and maybe making active progress on them. However, it is not fast enough. We really have to take a hard look at how, at the scientific data around the rate of acceleration of climate change, and then mirror that with the rate of change within utilities in their, in their address of decarbonization. Right now they are worlds apart. Thank you, Angel. And uh, where can people interested find the NPUC materials and all our fun graphics? Oh, we have lots of fun graphics and lots of other stuff. Um, right now, the best place to find NP NPUC information, there, there are actually two places. But if you go to the motive-power.com website, uh, you'll see there a button for the NPUC at the top. Um, that really just brings you to another website, but the, the website is a bit of a repository. And in that repository, you can not only download any of and all of the um, materials that we've created or the research that we've put together, but you can also take a look at the roundtable schedules and who's been involved, what utilities are focused on it. And, um, and, and you can also find a way to connect with us if you are not one of those utilities at present. Thank you for that, Angela. And thanks for, uh, discussing all, all this stuff today. Uh, we're, we're excited to see how, um, how the discussion and how the actual actions uh, of decarbonization progress. And Joyce, thanks for being on and sharing in the discussion of this. No, thanks for having me. It was great. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you. Keep on keeping on uh, with these types of to topics and giving folks a platform to to um, to share information and to and to express their wild side and their passion around things that that um, of this import things that really matter. I appreciate that. Uh, and to our all our listeners, you can find our research and media at zprime.com. You can find us on social media at dy lockwood at uh, j e dooley at zprime underscore research. My name is Dylan, and we'll see you all next time.